Hello and welcome to The View from the Ninian. I'm Scott Salter and today we're looking forward to Cardiff City's trip on Saturday to Newcastle United. I'm joined today by View from the Ninian's very own Paul Grono and by Chris from the Gallagate Shots, a Newcastle United blog who gives us their point of view. We recorded this on Tuesday evening when the focus was very much on Emiliano Sala and his on-off transfer saga from Nantes. On Wednesday evening, news broke that Umar Nias, the Everton striker, was having a medical at Cardiff ahead of a loan move. So we slightly missed the boat on that one, but be sure to check out viewthaninian.com for all of the updates and reaction on that move. But we turn our attention to Newcastle. A must-win, a relegation six-pointer. So here's Mr Paul Grono. Mr. Paul Grono, hello. Hello, Mr. Salter. Hello. How are you today? Absolutely marvellous, my friend. And yourself? Yes, yes, all good, mate. Trying to uh, obviously keep up with with the Topps attorney uh, story of Emiliano Sala, you know, possibly mm. the, the only saga more complicated than Brexit. Um, <laughs> it looks like, as of unless anything has changed in, in the last 10 minutes since I checked Twitter... It looks like he's on his way, doesn't it? It looks like we might finally convince him to accept a, a five-fold increase in his wages and drop to the bottom of the Premier League. Yeah, finally. Mate, yeah. <laughs> it's been quite a saga, hasn't it? And it's been on and off more times than you can count. And you know, reports were that that he, the player perhaps didn't fancy the move, that um, that he fancied or, or he, he wanted a move to a club challenging for Europe or going to play in Europe next year but it seems like Warnock and a bit of a contingent went out last week and and Salah came over um, today to Cardiff and it seems to have done the trick and it looks like he's on the way and how good will it be to finally get a striker? Well first things first it would be great to resolve this long-running saga because it it, for a while it had a touch of the sort of ins about it or um Kapoor or one of those where it yeah. was like is he just hanging on in the hope that somebody else comes along and says oh hang on a minute Cardiff are interested but um, we'll give you this and then you know off he goes at the last minute Marcus Bent comes to mind that type of thing yeah. but um, it would be a relief to get that resolved I think from what I've read he's something like the seventh top scorer in Europe at the moment Yeah, which um, sounds fantastic and he's ahead of the likes of Cavani and um, I think maybe Mbappe as well, or I think, I think just behind is, him. Yeah, Mbappe is the only player that scored more in France this year, so which you know is nothing to be ashamed of, is it? And he's, I think they're a kind of mid-table, mid mediocrity at the moment type thing. They're safe; they're not going anywhere. But equally, none are not really challenging for the title. So to have done that in that side is um, equally impressive. And from the, the standard YouTube video highlights that I've seen, he looks like just the type of player we need. Definitely, definitely, and and for for as well as as Callum Patterson has done up front, it I think the last couple of games perhaps have shown that that we do need an actual striker, an actual goal scorer, and Patterson works hard and is excellent. You can't fault him, but it's it's the little things that the runs, isn't it, and the the instinctiveness that perhaps a, a natural striker will bring. Absolutely, yeah, you're right. He's a classic bluebird, really. You know, he's a hundred percenter. You can't fault his application or his endeavour. Um, his quality isn't there as a striker because 
he just isn't a Premier League striker and he's filling in for now and he's done a magnanimous job but it's time to kind of step aside and say thanks Callum uh, you know you've done amazingly well but we need somebody who knows what they're doing who's ready to to give the very very top level a good push um, has scored quite a lot of goals this season already and um, is looking to if nothing else put themselves in the shop window for the rest of the season so should the worst happen and Cardiff go down Salah's already they've already had a good look at him and said right he's played six months of Premier League football and, and this is what he was like so um, thanks Callum and you know by all means you know I would continue to have him in the squad because he's an extremely useful uh, utility player and somebody who's high on energy but yeah we definitely need a resignate uh, a recognised striker up front 100% it would be interesting to see what, what he does with Patterson in that like I said, have a squad player and, and having him, his energy and his, his physical presence coming off the bench for the you know the last 20, 15 minutes against a tired defence would be really, really useful. But likewise, he could play him on the right wing like he did against Spurs. Um, I know it wasn't a great success, but Warnock clearly fancies him there. He would add that aerial threat at, at the back post. And none of our wingers are particularly covering themselves in much glory at the moment. So, right. so it might be that he moves Patterson there because he, he deserves to stay in the team. Yeah, he does. And it would be unfair, for want of a better word, for him to be dropped because of the way that he's performed. But he hasn't stuck it in the net for quite a few games. And, I mean, yeah, he could play off a striker in some role. I do see the formation changing should we bring in the necessary personnel. I do think he is going to go kind of three at the back with two wing-backs primarily uh, of sorts. and I And I think... Callum could quite happily play there, especially on the right. But I do think that Warnock sees him more as a number ten or somebody to arrive into the box late, yeah. pick up on the knockdowns, and um, which he did so well last season. Of yeah, he was ideal last season, and that wasn't he. That's exactly where he excelled yeah. in that in that role itself. So um, I hope he gets a look in, and I'm sure he will. But um, for me, if Salah signs, he's got to be number one choice, and. Big Ken, hopefully, will will have a, a bounce off him like we did with Medine, and um, he'll be pushing Salah every minute of every game for a, a starting berth. Yeah, yeah, that, that's the ideal situation, and you know we know how how good Ken Zahor could can be, and that's perhaps what's the most frustrating aspect of definitely of him for for Cardiff fans. And the Salah deal, I think it's reported eighteen million, roughly, isn't it? Something like that, fifteen, eighteen, somewhere between that. I think, me, yeah. There's been a lot of discussion on Twitter, amongst the view from the Ninian team about that fee and there's a lot a lot of people think it's a lot of money for, for a twenty eight year old. Others and I agree with this opinions think that if it works out and if he keeps us up, it's money well spent. Where do you stand on that, Paul? Uh, once upon a time I would have balked at eighteen million, you know, because that was at some stage in the not so distant past a big amount of money, but somehow we now live in a world where that's seen as some sort of chump change where 18 million is, you know, a, a, an, an okay amount to spend on a striker. So I've had to kind of adjust my thinking really and, and realize that the modern game, I mean, you know, big money these days is 50 million plus type thing. So yeah. 18 million for me, for someone who's, who's done that well this season in, uh, in a half decent side is, um, is by all means worth a gamble and should, I'm sure, I'm sure that they've learned their lessons from the past the board will have something in place that says should the worst happen and Cardiff do go down there's some sort of 
clause in the contract yeah. in the release fee whereby someone can come in and the, the the fees can be recouped somewhere. But for me, it's a no-brainer. They need a striker. They need someone who's proven to score goals this season. Um, 18 million these days is a drop in the ocean, despite what I think. And uh, yeah, money well spent as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. And, and, and even if he just has a good three, four months, which sees us through to the end of the season and keeps us up, we've made our money back from that, that Premier League sort of TV money and staying in the league. Last weekend, I don't want to talk about it too much so I'm still kind of haunted from it, but Huddersfield, nil-nil. If there was a game that that showed how how much we need to invest in, in the transfer window, it was this one, wasn't it? Yeah, 100%. And I do wonder if that was part of the reason that Josh Murphy and Bobby Reid never got off the bench. I, I do sometimes wonder whether Warnock is making a point to those upstairs to say... Yeah. This is how much we're struggling. I'm going to have to put on somebody that's been playing lower league football and doing well, admittedly, but is still young, um, fresh, doesn't really know what they're doing at this level. And therefore, you need to back me in the window. I mean, I don't know how feasible that is. We're talking Premier League and it's this was the old proverbial six-pointer. I would have said before the game that I'd have been gutted with the draw, but we played so poorly that... Come the final whistle, I was relieved to get a point because mm-hmm. Huddersfield outfought us. They outbattled us every time we got the ball in the middle of the park. They were blitzing us, for want of a better word. We couldn't get the ball down and pass it. Um, we had a bit more joy in the second half when we changed shape a little bit. But uh, long balls, and they had a guy on the team, Billing, I think his name was, and he must have been a good six, six foot seven or eight. Yeah. And he was winning every ball in the air every time. And it, it was so frustrating to watch. And it was up there with a nil-nil draw with Millwall in the championship and these dire games where you think, oh, please, I, I, would, I was hoping to see the back of this. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think what Huddersfield, to their credit, did really well was, was they suffocated Cardiff so much. And, you know, our main creative outlet and perhaps our only creative outlet is Victor Camarasa. And, and he was, clearly wasn't 100% at the races. You know, they had that knock and Warnock said that he, he chose to play through it. But they really, they really man-marked him. And, and every time he got the ball, there was two or three three around him. And likewise, when we resorted to the long ball up to Callum Patterson, like you said, Philip Bing, Billing sorry, was in front of him, who's six foot plus. And behind him was uh, Matthias Jorgensen, who's six foot plus centre-half as well. So we really just suffocated our outlets. And, and we really struggled when we can't do that to to pass the ball around and some of the passing was was atrocious I think when I did the view for the Indian analysis one of the things I noticed was that only three players in Cardiff's side had a over 70% pass accuracy rate which was Gunnarsson, Camarasa and Bruno Manga you know this is Premier League football if we need to keep the ball we need to be able to do that and we just haven't got that in, in ourselves have we? No and they out Cardiff to Cardiff. You know, yeah. that's how I when I was watching it, I thought, this is the most Cardiff side that I've seen play Cardiff this year. Most of them were bigger than our side, which was unusual in itself. Yeah. Um so they were even employing the long throw ins into the box and and I thought, so this is what it's like to play Cardiff. That's the thought <laughs> that came across my mind. Except that they had more passion and they seem they. It was almost like they knew it's now or never. If we don't get something from this game, we're we're cut adrift and um, and finished. So um, they they just were more up for it, and it was just overall for me, it was just a disappointing day. It's very rare that I go to the City Stadium in the Premier League expecting a a, a win, but 
last Saturday was one of those days where I thought, let's put this to bed. The 11 point buffer. Um, let's at least knock them out of the race, but left really sort of deflated and thinking, yeah. well, what's next? And it, it was a strange, you said there about that Huddersfield seemed to want it more than us. And, and that's, I can't remember the last time that was, that was a valid point under Warnock. And, you know, for the lack of quality that we possess in the squads, what you can always say about this kind of team is they'll give a hundred percent and battle till the end. And it just didn't, it didn't seem that way on Saturday. It was deflated and, and it was strange. I don't know whether they looked at it and thought, because it was probably one of the first games this season that we've been favourites, maybe that got to them. I don't know. But it was a proper championship game, wasn't it? <laughs> it really was. And it made me realise how much I didn't miss the championship <laughs> and and the quality that we've been become accustomed to seeing this season. Um, the way that I mean, even the way the Cardiff have played because they've improved so much generally from yeah. the Bournemouth game up until very recently, where they were in the majority of games and and were really proving the critics wrong and not just lumping it, but playing what I thought was some some nice football. So Saturday seemed to revert to type, and uh, and I'm sure behind the scenes Warnock really made that clear to the boys in the dressing room uh, how unacceptable that was and and how that and in fact Morrison came out and said it, didn't he? He yeah. said, we can't stay in the Premier League if we're going to carry on playing like that. So um, I'm sure that something's been said by the seniors to say, listen, lads, never again. Yeah, yeah. well, fingers crossed. And fingers crossed that come Saturday where, where we travel up to Newcastle, things are, things are put right. And it's another relegation six-pointer. And a lot of Cardiff fans this week have been talking about the dreaded trip to Newcastle. We don't traditionally hmm. do well there. We've never beaten them in the Premier League, two losses and a draw earlier on this season. It's a tough place to go, isn't it? Regardless of their struggles, it's still a tough place to travel. Definitely. And we should have beaten them when we played them at home. We we definitely had the majority of that game and it was uh we felt kind of elated with the draw because of the penalty save at the end. But yeah. looking at it as a whole, Cardiff really did were the better of the two sides that day. If Zoho had his shooting boots on, um, we would have I think we would have won that game quite comfortably. So and they haven't done that well this season. So when you look at it uh, objectively, you would say that Cardiff should go there and really expect to give them a good game. Yeah. But you you've always got those teams and those grounds where you go there thinking, Oh, we haven't historically we've not really done well here if the two get up for it and get behind their team and um, perhaps Cardiff do what they've done recently, which is let in a, a silly early goal, it could be a long afternoon for the boys. So um, I don't know how it's going to go, but I don't expect Cardiff to leave with three points. No, you, you take a draw then? Definitely. Oh, yeah, I'd be really happy with the draw. Um, it would keep us above them in the table, if nothing else. Uh, I we've got the capability to win and I don't know whether the Salah deal will be done in time for the weekend. From what I'm hearing, it probably won't. So that leaves Big Ken, I think, to give it a go. And that yeah. doesn't fill me with confidence. No, not necessarily. I mean, I, will he be fit? Is, is he back fit? Because he's not been, been involved for a while, has he? So it might be a case of Bobby Reid or, or even, even Reese Healy, if not, um, or obviously Patterson. But I, I read today, I think that... Um, that Sean Morrison's a big doubt for the game and, and he's he's had a, a procedure done, so it might be a case of a Bruno Manga and, and Sol Bamba centre-half pair and if Morrison doesn't make the game, 
um, which obviously leaves big questions at right back in that Lee Pelty is probably the only other option that we've got um, with Jazz Richards presumably still out injured. He's not been involved for a while. So that's another area that, that could be of concern at the weekend. Jazz, Jazz played for the end of 23s the other night, but I think that's part of a long-term recovery. And yeah, I would be very surprised if he was even in the squad on, on Saturday. I would be happier with Peltier at right back because I think he's more solid yeah. rather than, say, Warnock crowbarring Bennett into right back and playing Cunningham at left. Uh, I would prefer Peltier. I've got a lot of love for Peltier. Again, he's like a Patterson in the terms of his endeavour and his commitment. He doesn't offer much going forward, but I do feel he's more stable at the back. Um, so... I wouldn't be overly disappointed with the Peltier selection. And this Bamba Manga selection is what the majority of the supporters have been crying out for all season. So, yeah. you know, let's see how it goes. I, I'm not sold on it myself, and I'm not one of those ones to write off Morrison in terms of the weakest of the three. Uh, I do think he could have done better, and he has caused a bit of frustration this season, particularly with his um, lack of goals. But... Um, I know others feel more strongly about the fact that he perhaps shouldn't be in the starting eleven, but I'm not as convinced myself. But I think Saturday may go a long way towards answering some of those questions. And from what I understand, Morrison's possibly had um, an appendix operation. So okay. I don't. If that is the case, I I've got absolutely no idea how long he'd be out for. But I imagine he'd be a doubt even for the Arsenal game if that's true. Yeah. Yeah. And traditionally this season, Paul Warnock is away from home set up the team to really play deep and, and be hard to break down and not really being being adventurous. If you were the manager and you were setting up the team ready for this game on Saturday, how would you set up the team to face Newcastle? Uh, I, I wouldn't be um, like you said, lying deep inviting the pressure, hoping to hit them on the break because having watched the likes of Wolves play at Newcastle they had their greatest joy by pu pushing Newcastle back, and they are suspect at the back. So um, I think this negative, let's hope we nick something attitude does work on occasion, but I would like to see Cardiff give it a go and walk away and say, OK, we didn't come away with anything or we got a point, but we didn't have to give it a go. Um, um, and these are the types of teams that in and around us that we, we do have a genuinely good chance of getting a decent result against regardless of where we play them there'll be other teams that we go away from home at i.e. Arsenal where you've written off before you've gone in terms of the points and said you know anything that we do get is a bonus but yeah. let's be honest we're expecting to perhaps face a bit of a drubbing but Newcastle away I would probably it's difficult because we don't have the centre-backs to go through at the back anymore but I would probably play Peltier um and then I would have, uh, I would definitely play Murphy and I would definitely play um, Mendes Lang yeah. because I think we need the pace on the wings. I really mm -hmm. feel that, we, we, that Mendes Lang had a bit a, a bit of early joy against Huddersfield and was chopped down each time yeah. because they knew that he was causing carnage. He's the one that set up Hoyle at the back post, I think, mm -hmm. for what I think should have been a penalty. But um, I would play those two and then I would, uh, and then... I would have the usual um, trio in the middle. Yeah. The, the preferred three. Um, and then hopefully the Salah up front. Yeah, and if not Salah, then I would prefer Big Ken. Uh, I would like to see... Big Ken 
I think he's kind of he's realised now that it's now or never. So um, I'm not convinced that he'll still be there at the end of the transfer window, Scott. To be honest, I think there's a small possibility that if someone comes along and gives us the right deal, that they would let him go if they thought yeah. that they could bring somebody else in, like a Samata or something like that. But yeah, it'd um, be an interesting interesting scenario there, and and I think that as a fan, you while there is that want like we said for Zahor to do well because we know how good he can be I think we would all hold our hands up and, and acknowledge that the club have given him enough chances and yes if they're cashing in then then, then that's fair enough um well it's Bob before I let you go um what's your score prediction for the weekend um good question I'm gonna say uh one all one or or slightly pessimistic. I'm going to be a bit more optimistic, but I'm going for a two-one City win. Hopefully, nice. Uh, yeah, but you got to be got to be optimistic, haven't you? <laughs> I struggle after all these years. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, but thank you very much for uh, for joining us. Where can people find you on Twitter? At Bluebird Blogger. At Bluebird Blogger, there it is. Perfect, but have a good evening and uh, hopefully three points on the weekend. Cheers, Scott. Well, as always on View for the Ninian, we're keen to get the view from the opposition. Joining me this week is Chris from the Gallagate Shots. Hi, Chris. Hello, how are you doing? Yes, not too bad, thank you. How about you? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, looking forward to the game a lot more now since the result that we just had against Blackburn. So, so yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, yeah, obviously it went to, to extra time that game in, in the FA Cup, didn't it? And... Um, and the the talk amongst Cardiff fans has been for us that, that that's a positive thing and I know your captain Jamal Lasalle went off injured didn't he and there might be a few tired legs for the game on Saturday so a lot of people are making a big deal about Lasalle's going off injured but to be honest with you he's probably with third fourth choice centre back at the moment I know he's been playing games but I think it's only because he's captain of the squad at the moment there's You've okay. got the likes of Lejeune, Fernandez, Shaw, and probably even Kieran Clark, who are playing better than him at the moment. So, Lascelles not being included in the, in the team on on Saturday, it's probably not going to make much of a difference to to at the moment. It's probably going to benefit with, if I'm being honest. Yeah, that's quite a, a change from last season, isn't it? Because I know he's been touted as as you know an England international last year, and some of the big yeah. clubs were looking at him. So it's been that's quite a uh, a decrease in form for him. Yeah, so so I think every every single player last season played played exceptionally compared to what what we're expecting for, for them to do. So everyone played out 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 of the skin. Rafa got the best out of every single player last season, and the cells was, was probably the prime example of that. He, he played a lot better than what anyone thought he could have done. But this season, he, he's he hasn't looked fit since he came back from injury since last season. He's always struggled to 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 keep up with the pace of the game. And once, like I say, I think it's only the captaincy where he was. Which has kept him in that that team. Yeah, on a whole this this year, Chris, it hasn't quite gone gone to plan, and I think mm. probably um, with, with all of the sort of antics off the field with Mike Ashley, you back, yeah. it's perhaps not a, a surprise that you're you're struggling. But how would you sum up this this season so far? It's it's been frustrating. It wasn't the best start of the season. The teams who had at the very start, the first eight, well, the first six and, and ten teams that were played, what were the teams who finished in the top six, I think it was last season. So it wasn't the best of starts. We're starting with a few hills in front of it, but I think that's papering over the cracks. The team needed investment, and, and 
to be honest with you, it, it the best word to describe it is frustrating because you know the players that are there that are the squad at the moment can do a lot better than what they're doing. It's just it's very defensive at the moment, and everyone knew what was going to come when Rafa came in at this the club. It was going to be very defense their defensive display, and I think with with Cardiff coming on Saturday, he was probably going to the games as favourite because Newcastle's home form at the minute is absolutely diabolical. You, you can't get much worse now at home form. It, it's easier for us to play away from home. Yeah. Well, I've got a stat here that, that might cheer you up and change your mind slightly on that, in that Newcastle have won 17 of their last 18 home matches against Cardiff yeah. uh, by an aggregate score of 23 nothing. So I've seen it, I was doing research this morning for, for the podcast, which I do, and I've seen that our results against Cardiff and our form against Cardiff has been absolutely fantastic, especially in recent years. I think, obviously, the... the once again, though, home form at the moment, it, it can only get you so so far. And obviously on, on paper, it looks like Newcastle will just walk it in regards to previous fixtures and stuff like that. But yeah. honestly, the Cardiff fans will, will say on Saturday, St. James's Park, the atmosphere on St. James's Park at the moment is toxic. If we go goal down, you won't hear from the home fans, unfortunately. It'll be absolutely toxic. The, the, the players will start getting abuse. It, it's really, really frustrating being a, being a Newcastle United fan in St. James's Park right now. And no one wants to get on the players' backs. No one wants to see that. But you'll see yourselves, only if you obviously go goal up, but a misplaced pass from a Newcastle United player and, and it's surrounded by boos and cheers and sighs. It's it's really it's really harsh at the moment at St. James's Park. Wins why? Newcastle United players probably don't like playing there. Yeah, I mean, putting our relegation rivalries aside, it's a shame to hear that in that Newcastle, uh, they are a big club and, and St James Park is a great stadium and, and you're also passionate about the club and, mm-hmm. and it plays a part in the community. And I mean, I'm sure we could we could talk for, for hours about Mike Ashley and everything yeah. that's going on there and, and obviously the recent... Uh, sort of agenda in the media has been the Rio Ferdinand and the um, yeah. the Richard Keyes comments which were yeah. the, the Keyes ones in particular were just just mind-boggling and mm. it must be such a frustrating situation to be in a, a, as a fan of the club we're used to it comments like that we're used to it um, people go on about Newcastle United fans think they should be winning Champions League they should be challenging for for trophies we don't I think ask any any down-to-earth Newcastle United fan at the moment and They'll say they'll, they'll take seventeen of you all day long. It's it's one of those things, and you get real Ferdinand coming out with the ridiculous comments, which he's just made comments up. He, like they're not even facts; he's just made them up. Or someone's told him, and he's believed them, yeah. and it hasn't su- suited his agenda. And everyone knows the ties. Obviously, I'm, I'm not sure the Cardiff fans will, will know a great deal, but the, the ties that real Ferdinand has with Mike Ashley, yes, everyone yes. knows about them. So, so he spells, he sells his, his clothing line in Sports Direct, and. You could see with that interview, which he done on BT Sports the other day, how defensive Rio got straight mm. away. He got very defensive when, as soon as Jay Comfrey mentioned that. So he, he has allies with Sports Direct and, and Mike Ashley. So that's what Newcastle United fans were annoyed about because there was no one really representing us yeah. as a club. And it was a lot of defence, but it was Mike Ashley. <coughs> Excuse me. That's okay. I mean, it's, it's one one thing having an opinion, isn't it? And, and everyone's entitled to their opinion. But, but like you said, it was so factually incorrect and you know even down to he was talking about that the club has no debt and stuff like that and it was mind-boggling to listen to as a an outsider as a as a Cardiff fan even so it must have been been frustrating 
I want to go back to, to earlier on in the season. I think it was uh, one of the, you know, in, in August, September, when Newcastle came to the, the Cardiff City Stadium. And from a Cardiff point of view, very much we were in the view that, that we should have won that game. And I think that last minute penalty uh, save from Neil Etheridge against, um, was it Kennedy that, that took it? It was, it was Kennedy. Kennedy took it. So you took a free kick about 10 minutes before that. And the free kick, he was fighting to take this free kick. I think he took it off Shelby, yeah. if I remember rightly. And he hit the wall. Like, it didn't even get off the ground. He hit the wall. So everyone knew he had a bad game all game, Kendy. So when we got he that should penalty, have got sent last... off as well, probably. Yeah, yeah, he could have. But when the penalty came, I thought, right, great, we've got this, we've won it. I think someone else would take it. Obviously, Kenny had a bad game. So I thought, oh, he's going to be nowhere near this. He won't have the confidence to take this. Picks a ball and puts it down. As soon as he put it down, in the run-up, you knew what was going to happen. He was going to, he was going to miss that but. I'd probably say that was the most frustrating game that we've had so far this season because that was where we needed the points. So yeah. we could have easily came away from that game. But obviously, a penalty last kick of the game, you think, Jackpot, we've got three points here. And for that to be saved, I think it just put one downward, downward hill there. And, and we struggled to, to, to bounce back from that. Yeah, and, and looking forward to, to the weekend, Chris, you, you mentioned that Newcastle fans don't like, don't like playing... Um, playing at home and in terms of where the match might might be won and lost is it very much do you think the mentality of the the Newcastle players and like you said if you do a go go do a go a goal down mm-hmm. that the heads will just drop and and it'll be a tough tough for them to come back so Matt Ritchie came out a couple of weeks ago and he said that they find it difficult to play at St James's Park because the fans don't believe if the, the team go goal down we'll be able to get back into the game mm-hmm. and he's probably right um, we don't have the confidence there. I think apathy set in with Newcastle United fans, and they're just they're tired. They're just a lot of them are tired of going to the games. It's just we're going out of habit now. We can't see a future with, with obviously Mike Ashley in there. We can't see a future about what's going to happen, and we just feel like we're sleepwalking to relegation once again for the third time since since Ashley's been there. Mm. But the game itself, it, it's hard to to even think about what's going to happen. Like obviously Rafa's going to set his his team up defensively. But you probably see yourself, there's two different sides at each club. So they can either have an absolute shocking performance or they can go and play out, out of the skin. Hopefully, for a Newcastle fan point of view, it's the latter and we can do a lot better, obviously, with the confidence from the Blackburn game. Yeah. I'm not sure how many players are going to be featured in that one in the Blackburn game, mind. But hopefully, fingers crossed, that it's not going to be a boring game for both sets of fans. But unfortunately, I think it will be. I think it's just going to be a defensive display from both teams and, and someone will just nick it at the end. I mean, it can't be any worse than Cardiff's uh, 0-0 draw against Huddersfield last weekend, which was which is absolutely dire. But I think you're right <laughs> in terms of the style and it's such an important, you know, cliche, but a six-pointer, isn't it? And and for both teams, neither team will want to lose it. Um, but we're recording this, Chris, obviously smack bang in the centre of, of the uh, January transfer window. And mm-hmm. amongst the Cardiff fans, so there's been a lot of excitement and frustration as, as deals have been, you know, almost yeah. done and then not done. And um, just before we came on now, it seems that Umar Nias from Everton's having a medical at Cardiff. So we don't yeah. know whether he'll be in for Saturday. Are, are there anything, is there anything going on at Newcastle or is that very much, you know, in the background with everything that's going on with Ashley and, and et cetera? Not a thing. Um, so, so there's rumours of certain individuals. There's rumours of it's going to be loans and free agents, really, if, if Newcastle are going to be signing anyone. Obviously, Mike Ashley's made it quite public that he's trying to sell the club. Apparently, yeah. he has been for the last six, seven years. It's not going to happen. If you wanted to sell the club, you would have sold it by now. So, 
there's not going to be any players come in. I think if any players do come in, like I say, it's going to be loan signings, free agents. And I don't think it's going to take the team forward. I think it's just going to be a sidestep, really, just to get bodies in because we're struggling with injuries at the moment. Chris, just before I let you, you go and uh, and sort of concentrate on everything you need to do, what's your score prediction for the weekend? Um, let's have a look. So, with me head, I'll go 1-1. With me heart, and we need the points as much as what Cardiff do need them, I'll, I'll go 2-0. 2-0. Well, Newcastle United, yeah. Fingers crossed from our point of view, that's an incorrect uh, <laughs> prediction, but it'll be an interesting game. I think it'll be cagey and, and like I said, it could be could be nicked either way by a, yeah. you know, either a mistake or a, a moment of brilliance. But um, mm-hmm. Chris, enjoy the game and uh, thank you very much for joining us. That's no problem whatsoever. Cheers. All the best for the rest of the season. And you. Thank you for listening to View from the Ninian. We're four fans by fans. You can catch more content like this at viewfromtheninian.com. And let us know what you think. We're on Facebook and on Twitter. Come on, City!